Today on From A to Z, Baby Loves That Way. Welcome to From A to Ziggy. This is the podcast where we listen to every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order. My name is Thomas. And I am Travis. And today we're discussing Baby Loves That Way. It's a B-side performed by Davy Jones with the lower third. Wait a minute. This isn't a monkey's podcast. No. (laughs) This is not not a monkey's song, Travis. What? This is a David Bowie song. (laughs) Uh, From back when he had a different name. He was a different person back then. Yeah. This was back when he was hanging with the the group that he found at the Giancarlo... uh, Is that what it was called? The uh, the cafe in in London where, where he met the lower third. Yeah, the Jaconda Cafe in Denmark Street in London. That's where most of the uh, music agents and you know musicians would hang out. And he met the Lower Third there, and eventually recorded with them. And this was the B side to that first single that came out. This was the B side to uh, "You've Got a Habit of Leaving Me," and it's a rather interesting song. It is. It's a song that, in keeping with the themes of other. Super, super, super early David Bowie makes me wonder about his. It concerns me about his romantic life at that time because uh, this is a uh, basically a song about staying with someone who is not particularly good to you. Which that took me a couple listens because the first time I listened to it, and there's the lines of "Oh, she wants to go outside, so I let her." I was like, well, this song is awful sexist. So, yeah, so he's not trapping her in a dungeon all day long. He lets her have recess occasionally. Yeah. Uh, She gets to enjoy the sunshine, you know, sometimes when she's not, you know, in the kitchen (laughs) making a sandwich or raising the children. Or, you know, she gets to, like, take a stroll in the park or, you know, walk the dog. Yeah. Or, you know, hang out, hang the laundry in the sun, in the sunshine. Right? Yeah. She goes outside. Lady activities, quote unquote, <laughs> at the time, at the time. But then upon further investigation, it's basically David Bowie is in a relationship with this girl that he is quite fond of. And in order to keep her around, he's just got to be okay with her going and screwing around with other guys. She goes outside the relationship. She goes outside the relationship. This is, this is a non-mutual open relationship. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, so, but she's, you said she's not good to him, but she treats him good, you know. What's, what's he say? She treats him like an unwanted toy? Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's the other thing, but no, she treats him, she treats him good every night. Each and every night, in fact. It's just during, during the day, you know, when people naturally want to go out, you know, into the sunshine. Yeah. She doesn't treat him so good. Poor, Uh, poor Davy Jones. Well, yeah, this is... This is kind of in line with, like you say, a lot of the a lot of the songs during this time. And how old was Bowie at this time? He was only what nineteen or twenty. Yeah, he was young. He was a young. He was a young guy. And I mean, when I was that age, I was. I mean, even when I was older than that age, I You'll had do some. Any... Old, yeah, you you go into relationships. You're like, oh man, here there's all of these negatives about this person, but. She's here. I've got a girlfriend. <laughs> but I've got a girlfriend, so she can do whatever she wants. I got a baby. I got a baby. She can she can go out and fool around and treat me like an unwanted toy. Yeah. Oh, man. 
So, you know, I, I always saw this song before, kind of in light of David and Angie's uh, open relationship that they had. And they, you know, they seemed pretty cool with it. Yeah. Like, it seemed to kind of work. Of course, that marriage eventually dissolved. But, I mean, it seemed they were happy with it, you know, and they, they talked about it. But uh, I don't think that's really what this, this song is getting at. This is, this is kind of the... It's, again, kind of Bowie talking about the naivete of the, uh, the current uh, ethos of, of, the, of, of youth culture. Like, there's a lot of sexual liberation going on in the mid-60s. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is not propaganda for, you know, libertine uh, activities. This is, there's, there's, it might seem, it seems that way on the surface because, and that's the message that I got from it for the longest time, but looking at it more deeply, there's a lot of, uh, reticence towards that whole thing built into this. It's, he's not really happy. No, he's basically, he's convinced, he's delusional and convinced. He's basically just accepting that this is reality. And if I want to continue having this girl in my life, I just need to deal with this being reality. Yeah. Which is really sad. Yeah. I feel like this might be the same girl from And I Say to Myself. It's at least the same boy. Yeah. It's definitely the same guy. Yeah, either he had really bad luck with one really bad relationship, or he had some really bad patterns. Yeah, it's one of those songs, uh, at least for me, where you, you just don't, you don't get the full impact of how pathetic it is until you think about it a little more. Yeah, you really, it takes a few listens. Yeah. It definitely takes a few lessons because especially with the so there's two versions that I know of. So at least with the, with the early version, it, it, it's kind of similar with and I say to myself where it's just so bouncy that you're not really thinking about the lyrics. Where I, so I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh man, this sounds so much like the Kinks, and I love the Kinks. Mm. And even so, my first listen to this song where I thought it was just like him being super misogynist, and I was like, oh man, I wish this wasn't so misogynist because it sounds so much like the Kinks. Um, you really have to listen to it a few times before you realize, like, oh, Davey, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? This is not, this isn't healthy, what you're doing. And like, yeah, he's, he's not, yeah, this is not a good situation. Yeah, there's no way he can be happy in this arrangement. He's telling himself he's happy. He's but delusional. He is delusional. But, at the same time, this is a really good song. Yeah, so the first version really, it reminded me so much of the Kinks. And then the, the other version that I found, which was on Toy, um, which didn't come out for another 25 years. Which never officially came out. Never officially came out. Yeah. But was recorded another... The like, song came out as a B-side to a heathen song. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Toy version remains unofficial. Really reminded me of 90s Britpop, like Blur or Supergrass or someone like that. Yeah, and just a completely different vibe. It's really subdued compared to the original. It is. It's like much more like shoegazy. It's it's got kind of a well, it's got a fiddle in it. It sounds like it's got a fiddle in it to me. I'm not sure if it's really a fiddle because I don't see any credits for a fiddle. It's definitely it's a different Bowie. Well, it's a Bowie at all. Yeah. For one thing, but it's a different. But it's an older Bowie reflecting on that kind of thing, or or he's he's kind of settled into rather than the kind of vibrant 
ebullient joy of just being in a relationship at all and having a, a baby that, you know, goes out uh, with other guys. But settling into and accepting that as inevitable, like a, a thing that's just, uh, you know, well... Yeah, the, the thing first version, you feel like it's uh, it's youthful mistakes. It's just like, oh, you're having a time right now. You're going to be fine. You're going to get over this. You're 20. You'll you'll look back on this fondly. And the remake is the like... The remake, yeah, it's like... If, 40 he, years later... And, and he's still doing it. changed. Yeah. And he's settled into it. And well, yeah, you know... And now you're just worried slower. about your health and your well-being because this is just how are you still doing this to yourself kind of feeling. Yeah. And, and when I was going back and forth listening to the two versions, basically my favorite version whichever was whichever one I happened to be listening to at that time because I feel like they're both just so equally good. And so different. And so different. Only the lyrics are the same, even though like it doesn't have so much of that like sung back chorus like it does the original one, which was really the one element that made me think so much of the kinks. Now, but there are major lyrical differences between the two. So in, there are some, yeah. So, for instance, in the original one, and if you look up the lyrics to this song, I don't think you see it this way, but it sounds to me like he's saying her fooling around never made me sad or never makes me sad. Whereas in the remake, it's her fooling around always makes me sad. And then there's a second verse, which is really hard to decipher like it's really hard to understand what he's because it's it's this sort of style that he has in singing uh, early on where he kind of trips over the words he puts too many syllables yeah in. this is this is the downside to the bowie cramming a whole bunch of syllables into the line thing is is early on he was not so great at it and yeah. sort of like trips over his words he wisely left that verse out of the second version but that second verse in the original version is this is kind of kind of a sadder one because he talks about being you know a loner or being lonely or something like that, and uh, he's talking to her other interests like you know, leave her alone, she's mine, she's my babe, you know, and you know I'm all right with all this stuff, but you know I'm also kind of lonely and you know I don't, yeah. don't really want to be in this situation. Spells it out a little bit more clearly, but yeah. still it's it's still a little bit hard to decipher just because of the way that the lines are delivered. The remake is just more solemn and slow, but still, it's got it's got a great arrangement. Yeah, and performance. It's really fun. Like it's really it's a really good song. Like it kind of made me wish that around that time David Bowie had put out like a Britpop album, since he seemed to hit on every you know every other genre that ever happened. Like I feel like it would have been really good based only on this one song. I just, I just say, oh man, it would have been amazing if Dave Bowie just put a Blur album out. It was about the right time for it too. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been interesting. So uh, the original version was recorded, as we said, with the, uh, the band The Lower Third, produced by Shel Talmy, who brought in pianist Nicky Hopkins, who, and you're, you're a Kinks fan. Right? I do enjoy the Kinks. Shel Talmy had produced the Kinks at that time and uh, brought Nicky Hopkins in as a session pianist to play with the Kinks. So this was... Uh, uh, you said it reminded you of the it, Kinks. Yeah, that was my very first thought when I was listening to it. There may it. be a reason for that. It, yeah. May, yeah. it has a similar sound. It all adds up. Yeah. Engineered by Glyn Johns, who, of course, went on to work with many artists, including Pink Floyd. I want to say Wish You Were Here or Dark Side of the Moon, something like that. Or no, he, went, he worked on uh, the original version of Let It Be when it was called Get Back. 
Okay. Glenn Johns did a lot of the, the production for that for that album. Um, here he was he was an engineer. He also does backing vocals. Shel Talmy does backing vocals as well. Uh, the vocals, the backing vocals during the chorus are meant to sound like a monastic chant. At least that's according to Yeah, the, that's what I read too. And I was like, I don't hear it. Notes on the, on early on. But sometimes when you're going for something and it just doesn't end up sounding the way you wanted it to, but it still works out nice. I, I guess it's it's just the fact that there's so many of them chanting in unison and it's got this sort of simple descending pattern to it. But the drums and the the rest of the instruments kind of throw off the whole monastic sound. It, yeah. doesn't really, it doesn't really sell that way, but apparently that's what they were going for. Bowie said that it was that this song was kind of a take on Herman's Hermits. I don't know all that much about Herman's yeah, Hermits. Ditto. The only thing I really remember about Herman's Hermits was the Beatles anthology, where uh, during the period when they were changing from like the mop top pop band to the more psychedelic stuff after going to India, or like maybe maybe it's during when they're transitioning into Sgt. Pepper's era. There, you know, they, there's all these interviews with fans, all this archive footage of people talking about the Beatles in uh, the Beatles anthology. Listener, if you haven't seen the documentary, it's got a very um, Errol Morris sort of feel to it. Like it's it's all through in the words of the people that participated in it. Yeah. Uh, no, no talking heads. Anyway, there's some footage of a young fan. She's probably about eight to ten years old. And it's, she's reacting to the Beatles, like, moving on to a different style or a different presentation with the, all the psychedelic stuff. And she says, yeah, the Beatles, I've, I've moved on from the Beatles. They're all right, but I don't really like them as much. Now I listen to Herman's Hermits. I mean, if you think about it, like, it really must have been jarring at that time to be a Beatles fan. So it must have been a really weird, like, the people that stuck around for the journey, good for them. Yeah, but, but I can imagine it turned off a lot of the you know the ones that were screaming through their concerts at Chase Stadium. You know, if you were a thirteen year old girl losing your shit over "I Want to Hold Your Hand" when "Tomorrow Never Knows" came out, you were probably like, "What is this garbage?" Right. So, uh, anything else about "Baby Loves That Way"? Definitely preferred it over, and I say to myself, it was definitely a more interesting song than that. I think the music of and I say to myself is more interesting. That bass line. Bass line's really cool. It's really fun. But I think I like the, the words of this one. It's such an unusual subject for it a is. song. For a pop song. It definitely it, it, it elicits more sympathy than and I say to myself. Yeah. That's for sure. This is the other end of narcissism. Yeah. This is the self-hating, uh, self-loathing... Um, version of it yeah yeah oh, poor poor mid-60s david bowie um <laughs> baby loves that way yeah i can't remember how any of that relates to baby loves that way but um yeah so it's a good song it's a really good song i really like it how much do you like it if it was just one version that i liked i would give it between three and three and a half not fully consensual polyamorous relationships. All right. But because I like both the versions I heard so much, I'm going to give it four only semi-consensual polyamorous relationships. Based on the two versions. Based on the two versions. The two versions combined. 
they both stand on their own merits. I think they're both indiv- at least three and a halfs individually. Yeah. Their powers combined a solid four. Uh, yeah, it's the gestalta non-consensual polyamorous relationship. I yeah, I was I was going I was I was somewhere I was hovering somewhere between three and a half and four, but I've always really liked this song. I just like I like how unusual it is, especially as a subject for a song. Uh, you just you usually you know, especially in the '60s, you heard songs about you know admiring this girl and just like uh, how great love is. Um, but this is a little bit more complex than that. Yeah. So yeah, I I I'd give this a solid four, non ethical, non-monogamous <laughs> relationships. Um, so Baby Loves That Way, that's a very sort of particular, specific kind of way. It's a very could, specific kind of way. We could generalize if we wanted could to. Could we take it out further? Yeah. Could we, like, make it more global? More global. Even? Maybe more galactic? Galactic? Even yeah, it's just sort of a wider scope. Can we go bigger than that? Is there something bigger than galactic? Could we even go galactic cluster? Maybe local? even as far as maybe universal. That's a. <laughs> I don't know. That's getting pretty deep. That is getting if, pretty deep. If any, that's pretty cosmic. It is cosmic, baby. I don't know if if there's but if there's, if there's anybody that can handle that cosmic scope, it's probably David Bowie. It's probably David Bowie with a little help from his friends. In the, the Beatles? machine. <laughs> Billy Shears? <laughs> but no, you're talking about Tin Machine, of course. Of course. Uh, yeah, Baby Universal is going to be Wednesday's episode, so stay tuned for that. Until then, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter from A to Ziggy. From A to Ziggy.com, leave us a comment on the page for this episode. Let us know what you thought of Baby Loves That Way. Send us an email, podcast at from A to Ziggy.com. If you have a longer form rant or rave you want to share with us, Leave a review and a rating on iTunes because uh, that'll really help us sort of get noticed, which is uh, which is something we crave because the baby's outside doing other things. We just want attention. Um, until Wednesday, Baby Universal. Uh, my name is Thomas. I'm Travis. We'll see you out there, outside in the universe. That's, a, that's an ending. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Mothers, let this be a lesson to you never to name your child a plural noun. <laughs> it will only lead yeah. to pretension and... Uh, Just a whole lifetime of him being called River and having to yeah. correct people. Just